Hello, and welcome to the Foothills Deeper Pod, a podcast for all of us looking to bring more love and more courage into our daily lives. I'm Reverend Elaine, one of your hosts. It's such a treat to be joining you today. I'm coming to you with a question here. Do you know what never gets old for me? If you guessed Ice Cream Sundays and the Settlers of Catan board game, you would technically be right, but here's what I was really thinking about today. I never tire of the amazing ways that human beings contain contradictions and complexities beyond what we might ever imagine. I mean, you just don't know what's going on inside of somebody by seeing their outsides. And we continue to get to know people in our lives more and more deeply and witness their changes as time goes on. And we increase in depth and we change ourselves as well. And in fact, you know, if we play our cards right, new and real parts of ourselves just continue to emerge, continue to make themselves known over all the different stages of our lives. And the beauty of being in community, especially a faith community, is that it's this multi-generational, diverse space that helps us to better see and know the fullness of our own stories and to witness the fullness of other people's stories. And community just invites us to marvel at life's capacity for growth, for renewal, for repair. I love that. I love that about Foothills. I love that we can share in that together here in this podcast. This past Sunday, we celebrated our first in-person flower communion ceremony in our sanctuary since 2019. It was just glorious to be in this space surrounded by people of all ages, surrounded by the beautiful flowers that they brought from their gardens or from the store to exchange and to celebrate each other and the depth of uh, beauty and, I don't know, the depth of awesome that is always there when we come together. So I wanted to share a little piece of that service with you today through sharing this homily that Reverend Gretchen offered this past Sunday. So the other night at uh, dinner, my son was having us throw questions at him, like quizzing him, and it could be anything. It was like a trivial pursuit, but just um, off the top of our heads, anything we could think of, and he would see if he knew the answer. So, uh, of course, there was one small um, uh, rule about that. Like at some point, apparently, we started to ask too many questions about presidents. So he said, no more questions about presidents. <laughs> so I was thinking about different different questions coming from anything except for presidents. Um, and I decided, oh, I know. I told him, I, I said, Joseph, recently I've started playing a new sport. So what sport is it? And he was like, oh, I, I mean, that's easy. It must be something with Peloton. Because anytime Peloton comes up with a new sport or new activity, I'm always like, let's try that one. Um, but no, I said, in this case, it is an actual sport. Like, I leave the house and everything. He was stumped. He couldn't imagine what new sport I would have started playing without him realizing it. You want to guess? You can put it in the chat if you want. <laughs> Maybe one of you guessed it was... Pickleball. 
I was invited on a Monday to play with a few church members. And I said, sure, why not? And then I was invited on another Monday to go play with a few other church members. And I said, yes, again. This little story is a good reminder of three things. First, we are not fixed beings, which sometimes is extra hard for our kids to remember, but especially just for anybody who's the closest to us. We are not fixed beings. Somebody that you think of as an at-home stationary bike and yoga person might be on the verge of becoming a pickleball person or a person that you think of as short-tempered and rigid might be on the verge of becoming self-reflective and creative. There is always more at work than we know within somebody's life. There's always more than we know in someone's hearts. And there is always more than we know at work in life and in love far beyond what any of us can understand or see. Which is why, second, we need to remember, we need to make space for these emerging realities to take shape in each other and in ourselves. Otherwise, the stories that we tell ourselves about ourselves or the stories we think of when we think of others become self-reinforcing. We say, oh, we're not pickleball people. And so we never say yes to pickleball when we're invited. Or we believe, maybe say that a friend is too overwhelmed or too busy. And so we just don't invite them to get together or to help us when we need it. This brings me to the third lesson of my little pickleball story, which is a reminder of the gift of being in a diverse community like ours. Because we show up here with different perspectives, often perspectives that we don't even fully realize are uh, different than one another. We make some assumptions about um, what, we, what we have in common. But then, for example, these invitations, these experiences, then um, if we bring them in full to our community, then these become invitations for others for how they might themselves grow. I mean, for example, your job in this community might be to show up in and say, I really love pickleball. And then to share that joy with the community, maybe it will in turn become a surprise joy for someone else. Or really, whatever it is that's your joy, your job is to bring that whatever it is that you love and that makes you more loving, to bring that fully into community and then to discover the ways that that awakens in another a new love, a way for them to shift and grow. Or maybe the delight that someone else is bringing, even if it is totally new and different to you, will help you grow and change and shift in ways that you never considered without being in community with them. The beauty of our flower communion ritual is that it puts all of this together. It puts out there that that choice we make to show up, the chance we take to grow, 
and the reminder that we are, through community, always more beautiful than we can yet know. Amen. And blessed be. Thank you for that beautiful message, Gretchen. In the spirit of honoring the ways that being in community helps us to shift and grow, I've invited guests onto the podcast today who have sustained a life-giving community for so many people at Foothills over the past years. It's called the Slightly Senior Sisterhood. Lola Sorensen and Ruth Grant joined me for a fantastic conversation, and their third Sisterhood core team lead member, Hazel Short, was not able to join us, but we were thinking of Hazel with love. So here's my conversation with Ruth and Lola about aging, creativity, self-discovery, and life's surprising unfoldings. Hi, Lola. Hi, Ruth. Thank you for joining me. Hi. You're welcome. Hello. Hello. So you are two of the three people who have served on the core team of the Slightly Senior Sisterhood at Foothills for the last six or seven years or so. And I should mention that Hazel Short is not with us today, but she was your third comrade in that endeavor. And she sends her regards. And I was wondering, could you tell us just very briefly, what is the Slightly Senior Sisterhood and what do you love about it? Uh, the Slightly Senior Sisterhood is a very large, diverse collection of women who are basically 50 or 55 and older who got together, a few got together some years ago and decided that they wanted to get together more. And so it developed into a larger group, which then split into some smaller groups. And now we have both and we serve as friendship and support groups for each other. Lola, what do you love about the sisterhood? Well, I like the uh, social aspects and I like this is, I wrote this later about, uh, or how I, um, what's the best part of my involvement. And what I wrote was, however, highly I may value intergenerational relationships. There's nothing like one's peer group for affirmation, information, and plain old good fun. Uh, it's a joy to hang out with the women in the sisterhood and, you know, everybody by this time in life, everybody has such a long past and such interesting stories and, you know, so many different stages to their lives that, you know, you could talk to one person for an hour and not find out even a little bit, you know? Mm -hmm. so it's, a, it's a wonderful opportunity for expanding friendships and relationships. That's beautiful. And you know, Lola, that's so much of why I wanted to invite you in your capacity as sisterhood leaders into this reflection on Sunday service and to think about all the ways that parts of us unfold or bloom or emerge over the course of our lives and what are the catalysts for those and what does being in community have to do with it. So, and this Sunday was also our first in-person flower communion ceremony since 2019, which is really a big deal. And we all bring flowers to exchange and we go home with someone else's flower and it reminds us of the beautiful diversity in our community. And I, I thought just for fun to kick us off, Ruth and Lola, do, let's start with you, Ruth. Is there a flower that you have a particular 
or plant that you have a particular relationship to or a sentimental connection to? Well, I thought this over and redbud trees are very special to me. And that's partly because they're so beautiful and they come early in the spring and sort of, you know, a promise of things to come, but also because uh, redbuds are the state tree of Oklahoma where I grew up. And so they always just remind me of home and not to get too political, but these days, Oklahoma is such a disastrous nightmare, but there is still something good coming out of Oklahoma. <laughs> and I'm serious. It's redbud trees and it makes me feel good and hopeful that maybe things will uh, straighten out there a little bit because I know there are lots of good people there who are working on that. So I always smile when I see a redbud tree. You have my heart talking about redbud trees because as we've discussed in the past, I'm from Kansas, just north of your home of Oklahoma. And I have a special place in my heart for redbud trees too. And I had forgotten about them. I haven't seen any this spring in Northern Colorado. So that's a sentimental they're, reminder they're, for me too. They're, they're around. People have planted them around town. And so, and some of them are pretty big. It's quite amazing. But uh, they don't do great here because it gets so cold sometimes. Um, but they're, when they're beautiful, they are just wonderful. Mm, they are. How about you, Lola? A plant or flower that you love? Well, I have a couple of different ways I could answer this. One is to talk about Henrietta's rhubarb. Henrietta <laughs> was a friend of my parents who grew rhubarb, and everybody I knew had a piece of Henrietta's rhubarb and grew it. And I, even my brother and sister-in-law who live here in town, have some of Henrietta's rhubarb. Well, I didn't get some of that, but last year, Ruth gave Hazel and me each a, a, a rhubarb start. And mine is flourishing and looking great. And so now I have Lola's rhubarb and maybe I can pass it on like Henrietta did for so many years. <laughs> My other thing is homegrown tomatoes. And I love homegrown tomatoes. And I have struggled. When I lived on the northern coast of Oregon, they wouldn't grow because it was too cool at night. And when I lived in Florida, they wouldn't grow because it was too hot. And so I'm trying it here because at home in Scotts Bluff, Nebraska, where I grew up, Oh my gosh, the tomatoes just grow. They're huge and delicious. And, you know, as a kid going outside after supper to play, I would just snatch a little tomato off the vine and eat it on my way to play kick the can or something. You know, I mean, it was just, I love homegrown tomatoes. Mm. Yes. There's nothing like totally a agree. I agree too, especially when they're warm right out of the yard. Uh, mm -hmm. Well, I figured we could just dive right in. I would love to hear whatever you have to share about some part of you that laid dormant earlier on in your life and then bloomed later in life and the story of how that unfolded. Lola, is there something that came up for you when this question was posed? Oh, totally. Um, being an artist, uh, you know, all my life, well, I mean, I my first marriage ended after 11 years, and then I was a single parent and a working mom, and so I didn't have time. You know, I always drew stuff, but I never really dared to call myself an artist. 
And then when I got together with my second husband and moved to the north coast of Oregon, it was we lived in Manzanita, which is a, was at that time a very small kind of uh, creative community, artists and writers and a lot of people like that. And I took a class called The Hero's Journey, which was ostensibly not about art, but about finding the hero within and, and that sort of stuff. And we would go to class and then we'd be confronted with a 16 by 20 blank piece of paper. And the first class was, all right, paint a mirrorless self-portrait. So I went, okay. <laughs> and just, and, and you just, the idea was to just start painting and not worry about representation, not worry about anything. Just go to the colors that attract you and you know, see what will emerge with that question, of course, in the back of your mind. And the classes went on from there uh, to, you know, the call, um, the ally, the journey itself, um, and the return. You know, so there was a whole series based on loosely on Joseph Campbell. Uh, but that in that class, I discovered that painting was something that I really could do and that I absolutely loved. And that was in the 90s. So that was my entry into art. And after a few years and taking some workshops and classes and stuff, then I finally dared to call myself an artist, which is how I identify today. Huh? It sounds like there was a big community component in that artist's blossoming for you. How did that make a difference to be in the company of other people? Oh, I made all the difference in the world because I had support not only immersion, emotionally, but also technically mm -hmm. uh, because the person who led the class was amazing at drawing out what was in the painting. You know, we would we would go to the discussions and uh, talk about the painting and she would say, well, what's that over there? And I would say, well, I don't know what that is. She said, OK, that's your homework. Paint what that is. So she was good that way, but she was also a fabulous artist herself. And so, you know, could teach about color and paint and, and, you know, equipment and stuff like that. So did I answer the question? What was the rest? Yeah, you answered the question. Yeah, the communal aspect of things. Oh, and the other people in the class to experience with them all the trials. None of us, only, there was only one person in my a group of six who was already an artist and the rest of us were just, you know, fiddling around with paint. So it was good to have that, to have, to be in beginner mind along with a lot of other people was very helpful. In your earlier days or in your childhood, did you have that seed in like that little seed of that artist's identity inside you? Or did you really get surprised by that as you moved along. Well, I, I have always drawn stuff. And uh, in the 80s, I guess, I got colored pencils and started to mess with colored pencils. And I did a series of about 35 mandalas with the colored pencils. So that was, you know, sort of baby steps into it. But it wasn't until about 10 years later that it really blossomed. Oh, wow. Well, thank you, Lola. Sure. What about you, Ruth? Is there a later in life blossoming uh, that comes to mind for you? Thinking about that question and looking back, it's been more of a progression. Mm -hmm. 
than a than a blossoming and um when we when john and i moved back to oklahoma again when we moved from oklahoma to boston this was a huge step for us and it was of course an entirely new environment and he was in grad school and i was i was an elementary school teacher and i had taught in oklahoma a little bit but found myself luckily in a fabulous school system called brookline which is a uh, part of boston basically or next to boston and it was just a whole new world for us this vast number of progressive fascinating people who were interested in all the latest theories in education and you know the opportunities to meet people from all over the place and to work with them and teach with them and um my classroom was full of kids from you know everywhere in the world basically and it was just really really it wasn't exactly eye-opening but it was just so broadening and we just loved it there and um must have felt like moving to another country it well it truly was wow even the accent you know (laughs) different language um so uh that was just a great experience for both of us and so it just opened up our our world a lot now i had traveled quite a bit as a kid but my parents and i we would go on vacations to well my dad liked to fish so we would go someplace where he could fish and it was you know just around the country and but he he and and she took me to lots of different places but it was entirely different moving to a completely different part of the country and living there and figuring things out so um were you a UU then? Oh, no. I was raised a Southern Baptist. Oh. But by then, I'd progressed. We had progressed to Presbyterian. <laughs> so so we were Presbyterians, and we actually found a Presbyterian church in the town of Newton, Mass., which we lived in a town called Watertown. And But there weren't very many Presbyterians up there. But we had sort of become that back, back in Oklahoma. Um, anyway. And stuck with that for quite a long time, many years, finding more and more liberal churches as we progressed, you know, to different places where we've lived. But um, I don't even know if that time I'd even heard of Unitarians. Maybe. I don't know. I didn't know anything about it. So, no. In answer to your question, no. But um, my, not exactly unfolding, but just... um, I just find it, I found it and still find it so interesting to meet people from different walks of life and different parts of the world and places. And one of the things like Lola was saying, you could talk to somebody for an hour and still, you know, just learn about them. But to me, one of the best things about the sisterhood and one of the things I pursue is that, I mean, people have led such unique lives and it's fascinating to me. So I, that's kind of, it's not an unfolding, it's just a progressing to, you know, the, the more interesting people who come along, the better. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know if I've unfolded in any other way. I do like to write a little bit, but I've never gotten around to doing much except now with our newsletter, I've sort of enjoyed 
doing essays. And I've taken courses on children's literature, writing, and so on, because I really, really am interested in and love children's literature. But I haven't done anything with it yet. <laughs> Lola, are there parts of yourself that find a home at Foothills or that uh, have a chance to get nourished in the church community? Yes, definitely. I've been a UU since high school. Oh, and back then it was just a U. <laughs> Which U? <laughs> the Unitarian. Uh-huh. And I, I grew up in Scottsbluff, Nebraska, and my parents, uh, with three or four other couples, formed a Unitarian study group because there wasn't any, you know, anything there at all. And so that's how I was introduced to being a Unitarian, and I just have followed it my whole life. Um, everywhere I've lived, which is a lot of different places, I've always known that I would find my tribe at the Unitarian Universalist Church, and I always have. And I think part of it is that, you know, when you are in a uh, political or philosophical minority, it's really comforting to be with like-minded people, even though we have our differences for sure, you know, within any UU community, it always feels safe to me uh, as if my views are going to be uh, accepted and, and we may discuss, but we don't ever argue, you know, it, it's, it's just feels like a safe place. Um, so I have always appreciated that and always sought it out. Mm -hmm. I think that's a common experience among Unitarian Universalists. And I feel like I'm seeing that particularly in this moment at Foothills when I think there are a lot of folks moving to Fort Collins right now, trying to find their place, find their people, and seeing them even coming into the sisterhood group mm -hmm. uh, and looking for those connections at whatever phase of life they're in. Well, I've seen a lot of new people uh, at church on Sunday morning, and I'm, I'm thrilled by that. I think it's fabulous. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering, this may, this kind of connects with an earlier question, but as you take a step back and look at the ways that you've changed and grown over the years, is there something that your earlier self just wouldn't have expected or something about how you're moving through your life right now that your younger self might be surprised by? Who are you asking? Oh, um, how about Ruth? Well, let's see. I guess I'm not. It's still, it's a, again, it's part of that progressing from where I grew up and what I was taught as a child and so on to just broadening my world um, as time goes on. And it's, and you know what, that's still going on. That's still happening. Um, what did you say again? Just wondering if there's anything that about your life now or about how you're living your life that a younger self of yours would be surprised by or would have thought, I, I wouldn't have pictured the story veering into that direction. <laughs> Not really, except that when one has children and they turn into adults and they start off on their own adventures and then the grandchildren come along and do the same, it's more like I wouldn't have imagined their trajectory. Well, I wouldn't have imagined ours either because when we, when we went to Boston, you know, life changed. And then 
lots of things happened over the last several years, but, um, you know, and the kids are taking off on even, even more far reaching, um, adventures. So it's not exactly, I mean, there are lots of things I would never have imagined for John and me and all, and ever since then, but not so much in terms of, you know, a shocking change or anything. It's just like, oh, look what's happening. Mm -hmm. <laughs> How about you, Lola? Well, my life has had many distinct stages. And leaving each of them, I adapted to my circumstances until I couldn't anymore. So my first marriage lasted 11 years, and that was as long as I could stand it. And I foolishly thought things would be way better after the divorce. Well, it was better, but not, you know, it was, it was, there were some hard years in there because I was a single mom. I had three kids and I had a job that was demanding and, you know, there were some tough times, but, um, change has often come to me sort of serendipitously. Like when I was done with corporate culture. I went to my 30-year high school reunion, and there was my boyfriend from high school, and he turned into my second husband. So oh, wow. so I left the East Coast and moved to Oregon, and that's, you know, when I found myself uh, as an artist. So I've been intentional about how and where I live, and I have paid attention to my intuition and I've used tools like the tarot or the I Ching for guidance uh, as well. So I'm not surprised by the awareness of myself today. I can see the path behind me. And um, my, I wanna just share with you this poem because this has been like the story of my life. It's The Layers by Stanley Kunitz. He says, I have walked through many lives some of them my own, and I am not who I was, though some principle of being abides from which I struggle not to stray. When I look behind as I am compelled to look before I can gather strength to proceed on my journey, I see the milestones dwindling toward the horizon and the slow fires trailing from the abandoned camps campsites over which scavenger angels wheel on heavy wings. Oh, I have made myself a tribe out of my true affections, and my tribe is scattered. How shall the heart be reconciled to its feast of losses? And then it goes on, and at the end it says, Though I lack the art to decipher it, no doubt the next chapter in my book of transformations is already written. I am not done with my changes. <laughs> oh, Lola. Isn't that a great poem? Is there That's some line great. in there like live in the layers, not in the yeah, litter? Yeah, not in the litter, yes. Yeah. Send me that, will you please, Lola? Send you the poem? Uh-huh, please. Yeah. There's so well, many transformations going on for so many people in our family that this would be really fine. Yes. And I just, I don't know what inspired him to write that poem, but it just, from the minute I read it, it's sort of been my thing that I do. <laughs> I'm going to take it to our reunion because it will be quite apropos for lots of us. Yeah. Ruth, you had a lot of Well, go ahead, Lola. I was just going to say, I love that part about 
some principle of being abides through everything. You know, we always are ourselves, no matter the circumstances or all of the changes or anything that we go through. Still, there's that core, you know? That's great. I like that a lot. Yeah. And I love how he pairs that with the multiplicity of lives and just the multiplicity of places and affections. And, you know, there's the unity and the sort of dispersed everything at the same time. I did a whole painting about how shall the heart be reconciled to its feast of losses. What did it look like? How did you do that? It was an abstract. Um, my my brother and sister-in-law have it, but I'll send you a picture if you want to see it. Yeah, I would love that. Well, I'm curious as we're kind of Wrapping up our conversation here, is there any advice that you would have for your younger self or just for somebody in the earlier parts of their life who might be at some crossroads or might sense some newness emerging that is both exciting and scary? Trust your own process and never give up. <laughs> Thank you, Lola. And be, be open to people and possibilities. Thank you, Ruth. Those wise tidbits seem very true to each of you and who you are. So I'm curious if somebody's listening to this and thinking, well, I would like to be in that group that Lola and Ruth really enjoy where you get to <laughs> meet wonderful people and get some window into their interesting lives, what would be the next step for that person? And is there room for someone new to come into the sisterhood? Always, always. All you have to do is be 55 and indicate an interest. Wonderful. <laughs> so you That's can right. send an email to me, Elaine at foothillsuu.org, or you could look it. for Lola or Ruth at church. Right. And Hazel will be there. She'll be yep. there. Yeah. Or really press any button on our website that enables you to communicate in any way and tell us you're interested and we'll figure it out. Right. We'll plug you right in. That's right. Well, Lola and Ruth, thank you so much for bringing your beautiful selves into this conversation and just for everything that you continue to plant and nurture and grow at Foothills. Um, I know that these sisterhood groups and connections have been so sustaining for so many people. And, it, you know, it takes leadership and dedication and time and tending. So thank you for that. Thank you for asking. This has been way fun. Yes, it has been. I agree. Uh, you know, in accordance with our theme, any opportunity to take a little time and learn more about other people's lives is very worthwhile. It is. Ah. <laughs> Especially with flowers. Oh, yeah. That's oh, yeah. our holds us together well let us go forth and bask in the red buds and eat from the rhubarb and bite <laughs> into the tomatoes <laughs> have a great afternoon you thank too. you so much all right yes thanks bye-bye bye bye what a treat it was to speak with lola and ruth together with hazel they are now stepping aside to welcome new leadership into the slightly senior sisterhood Susan Scoggin, Ronnie Campbell, and Greta Stone will be taking up the reins this summer, and we are so grateful to them for their leadership and their enthusiasm.
We close our podcast time this week with these words from Reverend Gretchen. Why not surprise yourself this week by doing something totally out of character, inspired by the beauty you see in the people around you? And why not let yourself be surprised by all those people, too, becoming already more beautiful, held in the safety of your care and encouragement? Why not be like the rose and let your soul unfurl its wings, unafraid and ready to grow? Thank you so much for making time to join this week's episode of The Deeper Pod. I always treasure this time together, and I always come away learning something new. If you have a moment, it would mean a lot to us if you could leave a positive review on Apple Podcasts. It really does help people discover this show when they're typing t keywords into Google and trying to find just the right something that might touch their lives in a meaningful way. And if there's anyone in your life who you think would resonate would uh, resonate with the big questions we're wrestling with over here, please do send them a link and spread the word. Thank you so much for listening. It's such a delight that you joined us.